15, page 658. Psalms 119, page 658. I told Darlene I got behind all my preaching, and um, this morning I had three sermons. And um, I, I couldn't prob- probably got the strength to preach three of them and trying to uh, discern. And uh, sometimes it's harder uh, than having one, and, uh, but three. But the uh, Lord's being gracious. And I believe this is what he would want us to speak on. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 17. Let's stand together. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I might see, may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I'm a stranger in the earth, hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto all unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princesses also did sit and speak against me, but, the, but thy servant did meditate in thy statures. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. With the help of God and with this third stanza, I want to speak this morning on facing reality. Facing reality. Let's go to the throne of grace. I'm going to ask David if he would please pray. Amen. You be seated. One of the biggest problems of many today is having a hard time dealing with reality. The, the reality of the fact or truth that God can do much better job handling our lives than we can. I want to say that again. That God can do a much better job of handling our lives than we can. As we go through this study, we look at a life that the psalmist, he saved. And may I say, salvation is just the beginning. The wonders, the excitement, the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ begins when we're saved. And unfortunately, for many people, they get saved and they're content with their decision. They don't grow any further. They don't um, 
that their life never grows in the Lord, they never grow spiritually. And then I fear for veteran Christians. I fear for those that have been saved for a long time is they stop growing spiritually. The word, the Hebrew word for this letter is the letter Gimel. And it means to nourish until mature and ripe. And the psalmist here gives us three very practical principles that can help us when we, when we comes to facing reality. First of all, notice with me, examine our dependence. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thy mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. First thing he recognizes in his dependence, that he's dependent for the Lord for life. He prays, deal bountifully. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to bless our lives. There's nothing wrong to ask God to, to, to infuse that blessing, if you, if you will. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm convinced we ought to ask God to bless our lives. He says, Lord, deal bountifully. Now, I like that phrase, with thy servant. He recognizes very quickly that he's not arrived, that he is his servant, and that, that his desire is to be blessed by the Lord. But then he goes on to say something else, that I may live and keep thy word. One of the realities that we take so much for granted, and most of us, and most of, of the men here, believe you're ten foot tall and bulletproof. You believe that you can just about do anything and everything. You believe that you've got the tiger by the tail, not, not realizing you don't even have the tail. The truth is, the psalmist said, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm not even going to live. He realizes that all life begins and ends with Him. And each and every day that we live, there ought to be a consciousness. God, you've given me this day. And may I use it for your glory and for your honor. May God, I give you the very best I can this day because you need to realize you are not promised tomorrow. Just a few weeks ago, a good friend, a brother Ronnie in our church, went to bed and never woke up. And for many, that's the case. I believe Brother Scott mentioned his friend in his 50s went to bed, did not wake up. 
See, the reality is none of us are promised a tomorrow. That's the reason why this morning I get a little bit frustrated when people, when they have opportunities to serve God, when they have opportunities to be in the house of God, they don't seize them opportunities. We easily throw them away or make something else more important or lay it aside. When the truth of the matter is, we ought to be, make it so important. James said, Whereas, as, as you know, what shall be on tomorrow for what is your life? Is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanisheth away. Life is uncertain, unpredictable, and there's a veil over tomorrow. Or oh, Acts 17, God said, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Trust me, he's God uh, today, tomorrow, and yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we need to realize we need to be dependent on him for life. Then he said this, he said, I'm dependent on him for illumination. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open thou mine eyes. I wonder this morning, what did you see coming to work? Did you see, well, we're going to be late again. Did you see that that didn't go right? Did you see that which you consider wrong? Or this morning when you woke up, did you see, my, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Did you see, we get to go to church today. Did you see the flowers jumping out of the ground? Did you see all the blooms that's on the tree? Did you see, he said, God opened down mine eyes. Thou may hold wondrous things out of thy law. He said, I want you to open my eyes that I can see. The Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of the God, for, but, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But when we turn to the Lord, he says, no, I like what one commentator said, do we read it for information or do we read it for instruction? What do you see? Matthew thirteen fifteen tells us about a people. Now listen to this people. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing, and their, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their ears eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. God, the psalmist said, Lord, I want you to open mine eyes. And the greatest thing that he can do is to pray, God, open mine eyes that I might know 
while I am with you. I want God to be honest with me. One time, Dr. Fisher, and uh, he was preaching with Dr. Shemish. And uh, the night before, they was in a meeting together. And the next morning, uh, he was eating breakfast, and Dr. Uh, uh, Brother Fisher walked up to him and sat down, and he said, um, uh, Brother Shemish, I heard you preach last night. It was good. And he said, really? Tell me. He said, tell me the truth. Was it really good? He said, yeah, 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 it was really good. He said, no. He said, hurt me if you need to, but tell me the truth. And so Dr. Shemish began to tell him about the sermon, different things. And then Brother Fisher said later, that was the most eye-opening most amazing thing because it taught him so much. See, most of us, most of us can't face the reality of where we really are. I mean, we really are. No, no, no. I, uh, I, I love this. And, and, and please, the ones that said, don't, don't, please don't let it boo you out. But, but you helped me this morning not knowing. Someone this morning said, uh, as I walked by, boy, he don't look like he's had a stroke. He really looks good. And I, and I appreciate that. Because before I was pretty ugly, so it's helped me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He said, he don't look like he's had a stroke. And I walked off and I said, that's the way we are. We don't look like we've got sin that needs to be dealt with. We, we don't look like we've got fears that need to be dealt with. We, we, I preached Wednesday night uh, on a root of bitterness. And, uh, and, and it was pitiful. <laughs> it was but, but anyway, people have got root of bitterness that needs to be dealt with. People have got um, uh, issues with anger and unforgiveness. Some people this morning is holding the grudge. It's, it's right up underneath the surface. Nobody sees it. And, and on the surface, you would look by and say, well, they don't look like they're holding the grudge. Hey, they, they don't look like they've got bitterness. This message is going crazy. It's got going exactly the way I planned it, but it's okay. I had a stroke. I can get by with it. All right. I'll believe it, believe it as long as I can. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, they, they go by, and uh, they, they don't look like you're an angry issue. That, that husband and wife don't look like it was fighting like cats and dogs this morning. Don't look like it. So this morning, the psalmist said, he said, Lord, deal bountifully with me that I may live. But he said, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. He said, Lord, I want to see your word. He said, I want to see what you have for me. 
Wouldn't it be amazing revival? Revival could literally break out right now, this morning, right here. If everybody got graveyard honest with where we're at. Because we got graveyard honest, we recognize why they stump Christians think, my God, I'm such a good Christian. Yet, they don't obey the Word of God. I ain't going to obey the husband. Yet, they feel they're good Christians. You need to face reality. We're not a good Christian. Well, we come in and we, we do all the, the things, but how many have witnessed to anybody this week? How many have told anybody about Jesus this week? So the reality is it opened my eyes, opened my eyes that I might see thy wondrous things out of thy law. God said, Psalmist said, God, I want to see. I want to see. If I'm going to live by the book, I've got to see. Then there's what else he said. Not only is he said dependent for illumination, but he said dependent for instruction. I'm, I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Psalmist said, I'm a stranger. Literally meaning he was a foreigner, a sojourner, a temporary inhabitant. I was thinking about that while that young man was speaking. As I went to Mexico on a mission trip, and uh, we had to have an interpreter. And I love this fellow. Everything I did, he did. As he was interpreting, I said, well, bless God! When he he interpreted that language, he said, bless God! Every everything he was, I loved him, loved him. But the truth of the matter was, I felt like a stranger and a foreigner in that place. Psalmist said, "I'm a stranger." But Psalmist said, I, "I'm not feeling comfortable in this world." What Psalmist is saying, "This is not my home." And may I remind you. If you're saved by the marvelous grace of God, this world is not your home. Somehow or another, we drive the stakes deep into this world with the expectation of staying. We make we 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 fix it to where we're permanent. Um, and we live our lives as if we're staying forever. When the truth of the matter is, if you're saved by the grace of God, this is not home. You know, back in my day, I don't think it is now, but back in my day, (laughs) 
Back in my day, the word, if you was off, was square. How many remembers that? Somebody would say, you know, you're square. You're square. I don't know what kind of what the words they use today. Uh, uh, but they'd say, you're square. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you're saved, you are square. Because this is a round world. And squares don't fit in round worlds. But God is providing a city that's four square. And that city, all the squares fit right in. But in a round world, I'm amazed how much we try to fit in to this world. I, I'm, I'm going to be very, very, I'm going to be very candid with you, very honest. There's an amazing amount of pressure on churches to say, why don't we entertain them? Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? To entertain them. But I've never had anybody, Pastor, why don't we have some more preaching? Pastor, why don't we have more singing? Pastor, why don't we have more witnessing? Why don't we have more for the glory of God? You never hear that. I'll just be honest with you. Something that's gotten very real. I'm amazed as Easter comes up. No longer is a risen Savior enough. Let's have a sunrise service. Not that they care about the sunrise service. Just want a breakfast. Not that they care about a sunrise service. Just so they don't have to come back to church Sunday night. When did a risen Savior, a risen Savior, not be enough? When did a risen Savior not be enough to bring us back to church? When did a risen Savior cease to be enough to worship and love? When did a risen Savior not be enough? My, my, my. Facing reality. Makes you wonder how truly far in it amazing a risen, a risen Savior. Angels are standing in the all. Angels are saying, my goodness, Praise God. Hallelujah. What, what He's done for them. Amen. And yet, as I was in the store the other day, man said, y'all going to feed on Easter, on Easter Sunday? That's what's come important. Bible says in Hebrews 11, 13, these all died in the faith, not receiving the promise. And I've seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. 
First Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, as abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Oh, for one more time. Oh, for one more time. For an Easter service. An Easter Sunday morning. When our eyes open, there would be a bubbling excitement to come and worship a risen Savior again. And be so excited about Him, we couldn't contain ourselves. Couldn't contain ourselves. Oh my goodness, facing reality. So we need to examine our dependence. Number two, we need to express our desire. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath to thy judgments at all time. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. That word break means crushed. Psalmist was motivated by two factors. Motivated by recognition of humility and motivated by rebuke of the proud. God always rebukes the proud. I've made this statement so many times. But now, I've lived it. God, don't make God crush your pride. Don't make God humble you. Why don't you humble yourself? Why don't you humble yourself? One of the things, I was, when I was in the emergency room waiting on that nurse, there's just no humility like being in the hospital. They, they just ain't none like it. So I just made it in my mind. They ain't getting my pants. I, I mean, they're they going to take everything and they're going to put me in that dress, but they ain't getting my pants. And they didn't get them either. And they wanted them, but they didn't get them. They just know, they just, they just know, there's just nothing like being in the hospital. And don't, don't kid yourself. You can do one of two choices. You can gladly humble yourself. And he'll exalt you. He'll exalt you. Or he'll humble you. And he may do it in a way that you don't necessarily like. He said, Lord, there's two things here. He said, to know the will of God and to walk in the will of God. Then examine our dependence. Establish, express our desire. Then last of all, establish our decision Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Prince also did sin and speak against me, but thy servant didn't meditate in thy statures. Thy testimonies are my delight 
and my counselors. Psalmist made up his mind to be obedient to the Lord. First of all, despite scorn, I'll be faithful. Scorn means to treat unworthy. He said, when those come, try to treat me with scorn, means to mock and to make fun, then he said, I'm going to be obedient. When that crowd comes and says, well, you're crazy for what you do, mock what you do, make light of what you do, he's saying, I'm going to be obedient. Wow. Second, despite slander, I will be strengthened. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statures. Nothing hurts more than being lied upon. Boy, the old devil sometimes come to whisper in your ear, you're sorry, no account, good for nothing, poor excuse for a Christian. And a lot of times, that's true. But you know what he said? He said, no, but I'll be strengthened. I'm going to be strengthened. No matter what folks may say, I'll be strengthened. And then lies, despite sadness and loneliness, we will submit to God's word. As I read this, I got a sense that the psalmist was very sad and lonely. But he said, there is no one else to delight in, so I will call upon my counselor. Well, many times in a lonely place and in a sad place, God will speak the loudest. He said this, no don't miss, if you forget everything I said, if you get this verse, it'll change your life. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thou will show me the path of life and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there is pleasure forevermore. Despite the hurt, situation, nor the circumstance, God said he'd be our joy, he'd be our strength. Fanny Crosby wrote more than 800, 8,000 songs. Fanny was only six weeks old when a, a minor eye inflammation developed. The doctor who treated uh, the case was careless, and she became totally, permanently blind. But Fanny harbored no bitterness against a physician. In fact, she once said of him, if I could meet, could meet him now, I would say thank you over and over again for making me blind. She felt her blindness was a gift from God to help her by hymns that flowed from her pen. According to those who knew her, Fanny Crosby probably would have refused treatment even if it had been assured the restoration of her sight. Uh, instead of another blind hymn writer, George Matheson, that God made him blind so he could see clearly in other ways 
become a guide to men. May God help us this morning to face reality and the grace reality to be to be settled on. That you've come to a place. Not that you got the fuzzies or nothing like that. That you recognize I'm a sinner. I'm going to die and go to hell. I'm a sinner. And recognize that Jesus said, Whosoever will, let him come. That Jesus is your Savior. And that you've come to a place and a time that you bowed and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know, beyond a doubt, they saved you by His marvelous grace. And if you're not saved, it's time to face reality. Why will people think, who cares? Hell don't care. That's where you'll wind up. But better yet, the people around you will be will care that you cared enough about your soul's salvation. So this morning, the first reality we need to address, are you saved? Are you saved? Second, where are you living? Where are you living? Lord, Open thou mine eyes that I may see. May God open our lives to see. Then third, may we commit. I believe in this year of renewing. Nothing could be better. Nothing could be greater. Dear sir, Dear ma'am, then for you to purpose the one thing we all can give God. Some cannot give what others can. Some physically can't give what others can. Some financially can give what others can. Some mentally can't give what others can. But there's one thing that every one of us can give God, and that is to be counted faithful. There is nothing greater this morning to be counted faithful. So this morning, I would ask you to commit, to make a commitment. Do it one time. Don't let it be a question. Are we going to church? Are we going to church? You'll miss 50% of the time. Make a commitment. When the doors of the house open, we're going to walk in. If it's at all possible, we're going to walk in. I'll send our feet.